Good evening, church. Welcome to Christmas Eve. We are so delighted that you've chosen to be with us this evening. As much as we can in a delightfully packed room such as this, let's try and settle our spirits and breathe in and breathe out the goodness of God tonight. Through the singing of Christmas carols and through listening to the word, we have an opportunity to just take a few moments to prepare and silence our hearts in wonder and in joy and in awe before the coming King, before Emmanuel. So I invite you to just kind of take a minute and how many of you had to go to the mall today? And nobody had to go to the mall? Wow, impressive, impressive. So take a moment and breathe in and breathe out and take a moment to be still and quiet before the goodness of the Lord. Let us come and adore him. Tonight, we are going to light, first and foremost, where is Sienna Kegel? There's Sienna. Come on up. Sienna's going to light the fourth Advent candle. We're one week behind because of the weird schedule. But we have Advent candles that represent hope. We have an Advent candle that represents joy. We have an Advent candle that represents the peace that comes with the Christ King. And tonight, we light the fourth Advent candle to prepare our hearts. This candle represents love. And uh, my newborn daughter is down front, and I have been reminded freshly of how, eh, it's a pretty cool night, thank you. But I have been reminded freshly how God's favor and God's blessing of new life brings an immediate outpouring of love into the family. So as we light this fourth Advent candle, as we think about God's love at Christmas time, we're going to read the first of four scriptures. Zach is going to lead us in reading of scripture about love. Let's get going. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's stand for one song, shall we? Oh, come all you faithful. One, two, one. Joyful and triumphant 
John 1, 9 through 18. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of only the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Just certain for 
shepherds in the fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so Isaiah 53, in its entirety. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him that was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, so shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By the knowledge, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many accustomed righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Written 800 years before the birth of Christ Jesus. Let's sing. One, two, three, four, five, and... Christ love. 
Luke 12, 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that time. And uh, we want to just welcome you. So glad you chose to be with us uh, this evening. Just uh, officially from ABF, we wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. Hopefully you enjoy uh, this time with family. Sorry it's a little bit snug in here. We're trying to do our best to make that uh, uh, work for everyone as uh, much as possible. Well, I just wanted to share just for a few minutes with you. It's a a privilege to be able to uh, just pause and reflect a little bit on the Christmas story. In this last uh, month, we've been looking at different characters in this series we've called Family Tree, and uh, different characters of different relatives 
of Jesus Christ. And uh, as you're around, maybe even some of us around uh, relatives a lot this week, we thought it would be fun to just spend some time looking at his own relatives and people that were connected to him and his family uh, line. We've spent time talking about a number of ones that maybe uh, you've heard of before, David and Joseph and Mary and an uh, unusual one and Rahab. And uh, this uh, this uh, uh, evening, though, we're going to mention one that I would suggest doesn't get a lot of uh, playing time or a lot of attention typically in the in the Christmas narrative. A guy by the name of John the Baptist. You're like, how's John the Baptist relate to Christmas? Where are you going here, Pastor? Well, if you if you didn't realize this, this is this is a relative of Jesus. He's maybe the the cousin that you don't talk about. You know, the uh, the guy that doesn't didn't make it to the nativity scene. He didn't make it in the Christmas. No, there's no Christmas carols about John the Baptist, but nonetheless. He's a critical part of the story because he's a forerunner or somebody leading the way, setting the, the, the pace for Jesus' arrival. When we were looking at Mary's story this past Sunday, it was kind of neat to see her interaction with the angel Gabriel. Gabriel came down and had an announcement, helped her kind of connect the dots, if you will, as to what was to come. And her words in Luke, or the angel's words to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 36 says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who, who, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Along with Jesus' arrival, and as amazing as that virgin birth was, we talked about this Sunday, it was pretty cool that her uh, relative in her old age, a barren woman, as it describes, is with child. This is about six months ahead of Jesus, and we're introduced to the child in all four of the Gospels. All four of the Gospels talk about him and his connection to the Christmas story, and his job, his this cousin uh, Johnny, if you will, was to come and kind of create a, a unique link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me explain how that worked just a, a little bit. In the Old Testament, who can tell me what was the very last book of the Old Testament? Who could tell me? Uh, Malachi, the Italian prophet, right? And uh, so <laughs> Malachi, and the very last words of, of, of Malachi, and the very last words of uh, chapter 4, verse 5, he, he talks to, to Israel, he's speaking to Israel, and he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And then after that, guess what there was for the next 400 years? Silence, nada, nothing. There was nothing spoken, no, no one coming and representing or speaking for God. And so, so many people in the day, day before Jesus arrived were wondering, when's Elijah gonna show up? They're asking, are you Elijah, are you Elijah? Like asking people, wondering when this Elijah character was going to arrive. The amazing thing is that when John the Baptist at about age 30 started his ministry, he actually fulfilled that prophecy to a T. John 1, 6 through 8 describes this. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. So if you didn't catch that, the idea here is he was to prepare the way. He was to kind of pick up where it was left off in Malachi, where it was a call for people to turn from their sins, repent, and prepare 
for the coming Messiah. He was the, he was the, uh, the, the setup or the beginning of this new amazing news of Jesus' arrival. So he was to speak of what was to come. So he wasn't Elijah reincarnate, but Jesus himself actually even goes on and describes him. He says, he is Elijah who is to come. So he makes the connection. He's the very last of the Old Testament prophets, but then he's also the very first of the New Testament apostles that testify, wait a second, this guy you need to take notice of because he's the Messiah we've all been waiting for. He's the rescue that you might not even realize you needed. He's he's that. I think about that as it parallels as we're going into this Christmas stretch that really we have the same exact charge if you're a follower of Jesus Christ is that you're supposed to be a forerunner, if you will, setting the, the stage or the, the advocate or the one presenting the coming Messiah. We're still invited to that even in the workplace and so many opportunities to do that going into this season as people are asking you, well, well so what did you do this Christmas? Well, I tried to make a really big deal about Jesus. Try that one at work, see how it goes. <laughs> tried to make a really big deal about Jesus. We get to be, if you think about it, we get to be uh, clear in the same exact calling. It was a big deal, it was a privilege for John to be that, to play that role. Jesus actually said of him, he says, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. No one greater than John the Baptist. Well, as he's out and he's proclaiming Jesus, as he's proclaiming and announcing his arrival, he got a pretty big following. He kind of had his, had his own posse, if you will, like people that were thinking he was a pretty big deal. It would have been easy for John the Baptist to start to think, hey, Maybe I'm something big. You know, maybe, maybe they're coming to see me. Maybe, maybe there's something special or important about me, but that wasn't the case. Instead, he stayed clear with his calling that he was there to bear witness about the light. He didn't get, he didn't get confused about his spot in the whole thing. I love John 1.26 when they ask John, what are you doing? Who are you? John answered them, says uh, the, the religious leaders, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was there to announce it. Nothing about self-promotion. I love the description. Did you catch that? He says, whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. So attractive when people take praise and deflect it towards God. I don't know. I know it's become kind of a broken record in sports, but I absolutely still love when someone wins something or does something great. And what do they do? They're like, well, I give God the glory. You know, like anybody notice this in sports? I was watching this video, and I know it doesn't relate to Christmas a whole lot, but this is so cool. Check, check out this example of this just in our own sports world. Jesus is better than anything that we could ever hope. Even better than the Super Bowl, better than the NFL career. Is the any NFL coach supposed to say that? That anything is better than the Super Bowl? Don't Jesus, yeah. Am I really disrespecting this guy by saying, you know, Jesus Christ? You know, one thing the Bible says is, you know, you, def- you deny me in front of your friends, I'll deny you in front of my father. 
whether he wants to promote me or humble me, uh, that his that is in his hands. You know, I don't think God cares about a certain game or race or performance, but he does care, care about the condition of our heart. What goes into a streak to get you to the level you've been at over these last 12 games? What goes into that, Kevin? Thank God. That's all I can say. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, thank you. You don't have nothing to do with it. No, that's all him. Thank you. Mike. That's Jesus. Jesus has always been there. He'll, he'll never, never leave you, never forsake you. Jesus saved us, and Jesus is the only answer. In his name that we go out there and perform and, and compete and, and use the, the gifts he's given us in the right way. Steph Curry fires away. Got it. Are you kidding me? You know, right after you won, you tweeted glory to God. How did you become a born-again Christian? Um, whew, that's a good one. Um, 2000, I say 2000, about 2000. My next door neighbor, um, just this uh, this girl, my next door neighbor said, "Hey, you want to go to church with me?" And I um, said, "Sure." So I've never I've never went to church growing up. Um, so I'm 19 years old, going to junior college, and so I went to church for the first time. You know, I, I listened to it. I, I went to church a few times with her, listened and um, thought about it. Uh, gave myself to the Lord. Wanted to be uh, a Christian. So I've been stronger. I've been getting stronger in my faith and reading the Bible more and more. Are you aware of the growing interest in your backpack? Can you give fans at all a hint as to what's inside of it? My iPad, I got my Bible, I got my headphones, and my phone charger. And I read John 9, and here are the disciples seeing a man on the side of the road blind, and they ask Jesus, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Was it him or his parents? And to paraphrase, Jesus basically says, you're asking the wrong question. It's not why. My father will be glorified through it. The evangelical is, is the most outspoken. It's the most, to, to quote Mike Silver, in, in his view, the most over the top, which is the very definition of being an evangelical Christian. Right. And I have absolutely, as a Christian myself, no problem with that. Huh. Pretty cool, right? I don't know. I, I just uh, I just like that idea of when, when you have the, the spotlight that someone wants to put on you to deflect and redirect it to Jesus Christ. I think there's so many opportunities going into this season to do that. And so my hope is as a, as a church family this Christmas is that that's what we do. Even, even tomorrow morning when everybody's excited about opening gifts, what if instead of absorbing that and like, yeah, Santa this, Santa that, or dad got you this awesome gift, what if it's just like, man, I'm just thankful to Jesus Christ that we are still celebrating his birthday a couple thousand years later, and this is what we're doing to celebrate. So many opportunities to put the spotlight on him this season. Well, I love John the Baptist as an example, even if he did wear camel hair and ate locusts, all the crazy stuff he did. I love, love the example that he sets. He didn't absorb it. He redirected it. He was committed to his calling. He was very purposeful in his interactions. I think there's a lot for us to learn from that. But I want us, rather than give some kind of a long extended sermon, I want us to have just the opportunity to slow down a little bit and ourselves celebrate, ourselves put, put the focus on him and, and, and elevate him appropriately. We've been kind of working through these uh, candles going through uh, the Christmas season, and I, I'm about to, to light the Jesus candle, but before I do that, 
I just want to, I want to pause and I want to just pray for us as a church family and invite the, the person that's maybe first off, that's maybe heard about Jesus and then somebody uh, drug them here on Christmas Eve and they're like, I don't know how I ended up here. But the person that maybe knows of Jesus but can't really say that they know Jesus. My hope is, is that even in the moments, I love that our God always has that open invite. He has that invitation on the table. He's like, anytime you can call out to me, you can acknowledge me, you can acknowledge your own sin and fall in place before me and then accept my free payment on a cruel Roman cross as the payment for your sin and then allowing him to lead your life. That can even happen in these moments as I'm praying before we light this last candle and sing these last two songs. If you'll Join me in prayer now. Lord Jesus, we do put the spotlight on you here this evening. We celebrate the fact that you made the choice not just to engage with us, but to enter in. God with us came down, lived a perfect life amongst us, and then absorbed the penalty for our sin on the cross rising three days later and providing victory for those of us that accept, that are willing to bend a knee and embrace that free gift. I pray for the person in this room that's maybe been debating that or postponing that or putting that decision off or maybe even the person that knows it but has been running for too long. And I pray that this is a Christmas of coming back or coming to you for the first time. We thank you for that invite that started in a manger with a baby 2,000 plus years ago. God, we praise you here this, morning, this evening. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. I'm gonna take a second and light this uh, candle. And as is tradition, before we sing uh, these last two songs, uh, you guys were given a candle uh, that we're going to light together. Notice where we're starting. It's starting with Jesus, and the impact of that is to ripple into all of our lives, I do ask that uh, parents maybe help uh, kiddos out a little bit here this evening. I've heard that we're in a fire-prone area. <laughs> so I'm going to start at the end of the rows, and then you guys can pass it down.
Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to wish you guys all a Merry Christmas. And I want you to know Jesus loves you so dearly. I pray that you have a fantastic time over the next couple days celebrating his birth. And uh, if you don't have a church home, there's a great one in Old Agora. God bless you. Have a great Christmas. Thanks. Blow out those candles. <laughs>